Hey everybody, this is Chris. Uh, today I'm going to share another segment from uh, the hopefully forthcoming third episode of From Claremont to Claremont, an X-Men podcast. And this one's a pretty special one. It's uh, actually the first one where we're kind of going off the beaten path here. You know, we have our normal monthly Marvel mutant books, right? And then uh, there are also one-shots, there are also specials, there are also all sorts of weird things. Wolverine pops up all over the place. We know that. That's something we just have to deal with. And today, we're going to deal with it for the first time on this program. We're looking at Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Punisher, Hearts of Darkness. And I'm going to be joined by my good friend Mark Radulich for this. And uh, we have a really good conversation. This is something we have recorded way too long ago. Uh, this was actually the first segment from the third episode of From Claremont to Claremont. I got around to recording, so this one's been sitting on the hard drive for a very long time. Too long, in fact. So we're going to do something about that today. Uh, just like with the previous uh, segment, where Jody and I covered his uh, soundtrack of his life, we do the same here today. Mark will tell us the soundtrack of his life. It's a very, very fun conversation. And again, if you're following along, please feel free to share yours with us as well. That's all I've got for a pre-ramble, so I'll just send it over to the music, and then uh, Mark and I will take it away talking about Hearts of Darkness from uh, 1991. We are leaving the Prime X-Men books to talk about a side book. This is the first side book for this entire series of, uh, of programs here. We're going to be talking about a Wolverine guest appearance, or a side story, I suppose, with Wolverine, which, I mean, for 1991 through, well, today, I guess, uh, Wolverine, he shows up a lot. He shows up in a lot of different places, and we'll do our best to cover as many of the... Uh, I guess more memorable or uh, more, uh, I don't know, interesting. I'm not sure if this one's interesting, but uh, but we'll talk about it anyway. And uh, to discuss this very, very special prestige format uh, title here, I have a very special guest. It is uh, Mr. Mark Randlich. How you doing, sir? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on, Chris. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we are going to be taking a look at Ghost Rider slash Wolverine slash Punisher colon Hearts of Darkness from 1991 here. But before we get into that, something we do with, uh, you know, people their first time around, we want to ask, what do you know about the X-Men? When did you discover the X-Men? Did you discover the X-Men? Maybe you've avoided the X-Men your entire life until this very moment. I'd like to know. I probably didn't start reading. I I don't think I was even aware of X-Men comics until the early nineties when I was mm -hmm. like heavily, like I was definitely, there were only two kinds of people in this world. There's X-Men people and there's Avengers people. Mm -hmm. I was an Avengers people. Okay. Um, so a lot of what I read was Thor, Captain America, um, the Avengers, that, that sort of thing. I, now <clears throat> I did read X factor. Okay. Which era of X factor? Uh, I want to say I read X Factor when it was the when it was the original X Men. The original five. Team. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I I def I kept reading 
whatever iteration of X team had multiple man on it. That I know was I read that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I read the new mutants around the time. I'm pretty sure I had the new mutants like right off the stands when cable showed up. Okay. So, but the actual X-Men series, I never really got into. Mm-hmm. I also believe it or not, was not a huge Wolverine fan. Hmm. I know everybody. See, here's the problem with me. Everybody I went to school with was like Punisher, Wolverine. And I was like, oh, well, everyone likes this guy. I don't want to. I'm going to have a sandwich. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was just like, what obscure, ridiculous. Oh, look, Quasar. I'll get into him because no one's reading that. No, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I tended to stay away from like a, a lot of the time, a lot of the years where people were uh, reading like the Weapon X books and mm-hmm. like the early '90s, mid '90s Wolverine stuff. I just wasn't into. Now I was aware of certain things. My father, uh, who collected comic books with me, had a graphic novel called "God Loves Man Kills." Okay, which he liked because he liked the title. Mm-hmm. Like he picked it off the newsstand. Because of that title. And to this day, like, we still kind of, both of us kind of get a, a gleeful giggle when we say it out loud. God loves man kills. <laughs> um, I read Days of Future Past. That one I was aware of. Mm-hmm. So, um, long story short, like I said, I was not really aware of the modern X-Men stuff. Uh, X-Factor. And then there was a, there wasn't there was another X-Book around there that was, time. Uh, X-Force. Uh, X-Force. Caliber, That's the one I read. Yeah. Oh, and can we just talk about Excalibur for a minute? Certainly. I, my dad and I loved Excalibur. We collected that that iteration with Captain Britain and Kitty Pride mm-hmm. and Nightcrawler because uh, it was because that book was hilarious. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. Me and uh, Jesse Starcher are covering that here on the show, and uh, we're having a blast with it. It's so much more fun than I remember it being. Yeah, it's that a lot of fun. Those early X Excalibur books were really funny. Um, so my fat, my dad and I enjoyed collecting those, but yeah, X Force was the one I was thinking of. Um, I read that as well. So okay, that's that's my take on the X Men. And even as time, you know, as I would go in and out of books, like if you look at the kind of stuff we're doing on source material, the kinds of things I pick, unless it has to do with a specific movie or television show, I you know when I when I pick stuff, I tend to trend towards the Avengers side of Marvel or mm-hmm. Spider Man. And not towards the Xbox, or gotcha. as uh, as Pat Mullen would say, "Damn stinking muties." <laughs> now, as a as a reader of comics, um, you know, since your youth, was there ever a time? And this is something that I think maybe not maybe not universal among comic fans, but it's definitely common. Was there a time you ever stepped away? Um, I probably started reading in the late 80s, early 90s, and then I think when I got to college, I stopped. Mm-hmm. I was more into, I was, you know, Pat Oswalt talks about this, mm-hmm. like, you know, he talks about his love of novels and then music and, you know, like now he's a big foodie. I kind of followed a similar path where um, when I was a, when I was a child and early on in high school, I was really into comics. A lot of my creative writing in class uh, revolved around comic book uh, comic book stories. Sure. And like essay writing or or like short story writing that you would have to do for English class. Uh, I wrote. I, I interjected like comic book heroes into like 
you know, American literature, you know, of mm. mice and men starring Spider-Man, <laughs> um, that sort of thing. And when I really got into music towards the latter half of high school and in college, that became my sole obsession and gotcha. comics didn't matter anymore. And then as I kind of matured out of that, I got into film and, it, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was like obsessively watching 70s era film and like exploitation and um, Roger Corman B-movie classics, mm-hmm. you know, like authentic film of the 70s, The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, that sort of thing. Um, and then I got a life. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I kind of fell. So it was like, it was years before I would get back into comics again. And I probably only got back into it. Um, I would pick up a thing here or there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say two things happened. One, Jesse happened to me. Mm-hmm. He, he started doing a podcast on my network. And I started demanding that he follow a, he follow a schedule and a structure. <laughs> And then he couldn't get guests, so I had to be on those shows because I was making him do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I also had kids, and sure. be, because I wanted them to get into these things, I started reading them myself again, and so that's where we are. Very good. What what kind of stuff are you reading uh, nowadays? Uh, for uh, is there anything you're reading? Because as content creators, uh, sometimes it's hard to get that for fun reading in. Sometimes it's just all you're reading and all you're really exposing yourself to is something you're going to repurpose. You're going to talk about it later on there, or you're going to write about it later on. Is there anything that you read maybe with the kids, you know, for fun? Um, I've got a bunch of books that I got for Christmas that I'm still sitting on that mm-hmm. I want to work my way through that don't necessarily have a podcast attached to them. I have All Hell Megatron. Okay. Uh, which is the IDW Transformers, Transformers? series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, Jesse, a couple of years ago when we did a Transformers podcast, uh, did Revolution. And Revolution came after All Hell Megatron. And the nerds that were on that show uh, were were telling me about it. Uh, I kid them. They're good fellas. Um, They were telling me about it. And it sounded amazing. So I I had that on my wish list for a while. And I finally got it for Christmas. Um, Also, Bitter Root. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that, but yeah, shortly after we did Power Man and Iron Fist earlier this year because of the Bad Boys movie, because that was my connection there. Okay. You know, um, the I want to say the author of that iteration of Power Man and Iron Fist also wrote Bitter Root. Mm-hmm. So I picked that up. Um, I have the Savage Avengers, the first uh, trade with that uh, had Conan in it. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm sitting on that. Uh, I've got the two uh, trades of uh, Hawkman from the New 52 that I've been sitting on for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I got those from Ollie's. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh gosh, what's the one that we've been talking about in the chat? For the this book club that we th- that we're thinking about doing that every, that I got everyone into and now I've forgotten the name of it, for, for by Ed Brubacher. Criminal. Shit. Um, you know what? You're gonna clean this up in, in editing, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can vamp as you look for that by uh, by talking a little bit about this prestige format book here. And uh, this is the first time you've read it, right? Yes. Okay. Now. This is the first time I've read it. The this... Fade Out. Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, I can picture the cover now. Okay. Um, this is the first time I've read this uh, prestige format uh, this century. That's for sure. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I actually got this um, for free. 
back in my you know seminal days of comic collecting, this was uh, in the Sunday newspaper. Out, I mean, I, we were we were on the same island at this point. We were out on Long Island. <laughs> yes. And uh, the Sunday paper, which I delivered, I was a I was a New York Newsday paper boy, and uh, inside it was a little coupon for the comic shop that I was going to. It's a, it was called Amazing Comics in Sayville. And it I said, know that, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I am aware, yes. Bob Nastassi uh, ran that place. It just uh, He just retired a few years ago. But uh, the uh, there was a coupon in there. Uh, bring this coupon in and you'll get a free book. And the book they had in the picture was like this really cool looking like history of comics book. It was probably like a $20 book. It's like, oh my God, I go in there with this coupon. I get that book for free. And I think he only had like the one copy of that <laughs> just to get people in the door. So like I got there that day and I'm like, hey, I got this coupon. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we don't have that book anymore, but we have this. And he had this stack of Ghost Rider Wolverine Punisher. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my buddy, he did the same thing. And uh, the next day we were talking about it. And he's like, he's like, did you look at the spine on it? I'm like, no, no. And then I look at the spine and it's off center. And he's like, I bet that's why we got them for free. Because the spine was off center. He probably had a whole bunch of them he was going to throw out. <laughs> he just gave them <laughs> to us off center. Of course, we didn't realize that like 80% of prestige format, uh, you know, comics are off center <laughs> with the, with the, uh, with the spines. But uh, it was the first actual, uh, I think it was the first book. The first Marvel book, at least, that had a that had a spine for me. So I actually got to put it on my bookshelf, and I thought I was like the you know the coolest, luckiest kid in the world to have uh, actually have a comic on my shelf uh, for the first time. So that was a uh, that's why this this book is always it's I mean the insides are what they are, but uh, as a as a product and as a unit, it's it's a special thing to me. It's a uh, it's something I'll always remember that you know. Being a, a dopey little kid uh, trudging into a Saville comic shop asking for my free book and getting getting this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thing of it was, I look at it and, you know, it's got Wolverine, Punisher and Ghost Rider on it, which were like three of the hottest characters going at the time. And uh, so I'm thinking that I'm being handed like literally a brick of gold. You know, right. it's like. This thing is going, you know, I think this was before uh, before I was reading Wizard. Uh, Wizard was out, but uh, it was before I was reading it. But it's like, this is going to be worth so much money. Even though he had like a stack of like a hundred of them on the <laughs> shelf, you know, on the, on the counter. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, just those silly things when you're a kid. And uh, I don't remember if I liked it or not back in the day. Uh, uh, reading it for this show, uh, I guess we can talk about whether or not I liked it. But uh We'll get into it. We'll get into it right now. This is, of course, Hearts of Darkness, written by Howard Mackey, who, uh, if this show makes it uh, for any uh, span of time, Howard Mackey will begin to loom large uh, among uh, a lot of the, the credits of, uh, of From Claremont to Claremont. Um, Howard Mackey will take over X-Factor way down the line. He'll also do a few miniseries. I think he does a, does a, a couple of Gambit miniseries and a Rogue miniseries and... Uh, so he's around, but uh, at this point in time, 1991, he is most known for writing Ghost Rider, which uh, will become clear as we work our way through this. Uh, pencils by John Romita Jr., while he was still John Romita Jr., so that's a good thing. 
uh, inks, Klaus Jansen, colors, John Wellington, letters, Joe Rosen, assistant edits, Chris Cooper, edits, Bobby Chase, the chief is Tom DeFalco, the designer, whatever that means, is Dawn Geiger, and this bad boy had a cover price of $4.95. So, wow. Yes, uh, I think that's uh, that's like four hundred dollars in twenty twenty monies. So this was a very expensive book. But uh, before we get into it here, what do you have any Howard Mackey uh, history uh, anecdotes uh, I memories? No, I I'm not real good with authors. I know <laughs> Todd McFarlane because every kid I went to school with that read <laughs> comics was into Todd McFarlane. You know, and I know some of the, you know, some of the uh, Silver Age, I guess. You know, Stan Lee, Jim Lee, um, Jack Kirby, rather. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're luminaries. But, you know, when I was in school in the uh, 1990 through 1994, which would be high school, mm-hmm. you know, if you were a cool kid, you were up all on Todd McFarlane's lap, just... He was he was the god of everything. He Rob Liefeld was another one everyone mm-hmm. liked. Um, but you know, as far as writers, like I'd have to go back and look through some of the stuff. Like, oh, he wrote all that stuff. Okay, I was I'm I'm not good with this. Is where Jesse earns his his pay <laughs> <laughs> because this is not my strong suit. It's funny because when I was uh, when I was first reading um, these comics. If if someone would have told asked me, you know, who who wrote this, who drew it, I would have said Stan Lee for both. You know, Stan <laughs> Lee wrote and drew everything. You know, I didn't know I didn't know an author from from a hole in the wall. But uh, Howard Mackey would uh, he would stick around. Um, he would uh, he uh, something that I'm talking about on the blog right now, or or at the at the time of this is uh, <laughs> recording, I guess, uh, is the. John Byrne Howard Mackey reboot of Spider-Man from 1998, which was a dumpster fire. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this is before all that. Um, how about uh, on the other side of the table here with John Romita Jr.? Any uh, any thoughts on him? Um, he definitely wrote a lot of stuff that I remember reading. That name mm. rings out because this is a because John Romita Jr. Um, he's he's a DC exclusive nowadays. Um, after being with Marvel for like ever, um, and he is uh, he is drawing um, action comics uh, under uh, Brian Bendis's scripts. And my wife uh, was uh, she was my my entire house is full of comic books. It's uh, it's you know no secret. <laughs> I, I, I want to do the, the I want to make the joke that your your house is um, the apartment from High Fidelity, but you probably won't know what I'm talking about. John Cusack. Yes, that's very yes. good. That, Remember his whole his whole apartment was like made up of record shells, full of records. Yep, yeah, because yeah, uh, that's that, that's something my wife told me when uh, we when we first met. That is that uh, that I reminded her a lot of John Cusack, but there it was go. more more aesthetics uh, than uh, than uh, the than the hoarding mentality. But uh, yeah. I, I suppose they both work. I feel dumb uh, now. I should have just went for it. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't hold it against you because I, I th- that might be like one of the eight movies I've seen uh, ever. <laughs> but <laughs> but the entire house is full of comics, and uh, I had gotten my DCBS order, my first one since you know all the world stopped. And uh, on the top of the pile was the latest issue of Action Comics, and my wife walked past it and she goes, "That's the worst Superman I've ever seen." <laughs> and it was John Romita Jr. And I, I went over, I'm like, "Yeah, he's." 
I don't know what happened to him, but he's not what he used to be. And as as it so happened, I was just walking away from the table with the latest issue of uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man that I was doing for the blog. And I'm oh, like, is that, this is... is that the one with... Is that the new one? Um, I don't know if that's still going on, but we, we did an iteration of Spider-Man that had, I think, Nick Spencer. Oh, no, ugh, no. Okay. Go off. God, that was garbage. <laughs> it's it's Nick Spencer. Um, but this was the Burn Mackey stuff from 1998. But uh, John okay. Romita Jr. did the art on it. And I'm like, this is what he used to be able to draw like. And she's like, I, I wouldn't even tell it was the same artist. You know, and, and Romita Jr. is very, very stylized. He's very blocky, uh, even back in the day. But uh, nowadays, it's like... I, you know, it's like you almost feel bad for making fun of it because I don't know if something physically happened to him. It's a, it's that he, he's he's fallen that far um, wow. uh, as a draftsman. But uh, back, but he is still comfort food for me, and uh, I still like seeing him, even if it's not the same as it used to be. But uh, but without further ado, let's crack this thing open and uh, and go to the very on the nose Christ's town, Christ crown. The town of Christ Crown, <laughs> where there is a blood sacrifice, and uh, we're going to assume that this town is <laughs> like like you do, like like you do, and we're going to assume that this town is somewhere in America. Um, now, any from this U- any town USA, yes, any any hyper religiously named town USA. Um, now, from this spill blood rises Blackheart, the son of Mephisto. And uh, from what it seems like here, it looks like he's got a bone to pick with his father here. He uh, he slaughters those who summoned him, and he claims that he will win a game between he and his father. Now, later, or maybe earlier, it's not entirely clear, we see Dan Ketch, who is the all-new-ish Ghost Rider, and he is arriving in Christ's crown. But he's, he's still in his human form here. And... Uh, I like how we get like a better look at the town here, and it looks very much like a small town America, and uh, it, it comes complete with a hardware store, not a hardware store, a hardware store. So you know what are you gonna do? Now he pulls up outside of Flo's boarding house, and as luck would have it, despite already having a couple of tenants, there is room at the inn for one more. Now Dan meets Flo and her very young daughter, who like immediately hugs him after they meet I mean, that was kind of kind of weird that uh she was that that uh, you know touchy with him that right that that quickly uh he goes inside and he gets comfortable before dinner he you know gets gets a shower and a shave and uh during the meal he meets the other two tenants now i want to ask you here mark did you recognize who mr frank and mr logan were before we found out <laughs> Yes, striking resemblance to one Punisher and Wolverine. Wait, Punisher doesn't have a very thin mustache. He was incognito. Oh, yes. Yeah, so these uh, very poorly disguised anti-heroes, they claim <laughs> to be in a Christ's crown on a hunting trip. Now, Flo's daughter isn't a fan of killing animals, especially not baby deers and their mothers. But uh, she's sure that Logan and Frank don't really want to hurt anything. But do you have any you have any uh, thoughts on hunting? But personally, um, sure, you probably don't need a machine gun, or you know. yeah, or or adamantium blades. Yeah, I I mean I'm not against hunting as a I've been hunting, mm-hmm. um, 
and I rented a gun and it only had X amount of shots. You couldn't just light into a fucking sorry. You couldn't you couldn't just open fire into the brush. Sure. And slaughter pigs left and right with your automatic weapon. You know, I had a couple of shots in a rifle and that's all she gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm, you know, I'm fine with hunting. Yeah. I've, I've never been like real hunting. Um, I, <laughs> I, I hung out with a dude who was kind of a, an odd duck back in the day. And, uh, in Arizona, there's a, if you go like maybe two hours North of, uh, Phoenix, you come to something called the Magion Rim, which is uh, basically a rim <laughs> of Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was convinced that there were uh, Bigfoot up there. <laughs> and uh, he's and, and I worked graveyard shift, so it was a bunch of you know graveyard shift people. We, we we're, we're we're kind of odd. And uh, and he's looking for someone to go with him. This is back in the day when I kind of fancied myself a writer. You know, I wanted to experience life and write about it and uh, either write a, you know, a novel, a book, a movie, just just experience life and just uh, produce, basically. And I'm like, yeah, what the heck? I'll go with you. And uh, and we go. I go to his house. Uh, He was he was living in an apartment across the street. He had a friend who uh, who was an avid uh, like military surplus shopper. Uh, like uh, you walked into his house and it was like a lot. It was like the Punisher, <laughs> and uh, and he gave us like these uh, police grade um, these police grade flashlights that weighed like fifteen pounds each, um, but they shined a, a heck of a light. Uh, and he gave us guns, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not carrying a gun, dude. And he's like, Well, what if the Bigfoots come? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, they're, they're, they're okay, okay, okay. You, 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 carry whatever. I'm, not, I, I have no problems with guns, but I also, I feel kind of weird carrying one. So uh, we get into his truck, we drive up two hours, and uh, we're up in the uh, in the rim here. We pull over to, you know, to go to the bathroom, and uh, he hears a rustling in a bush, and he pulls the gun out and he aims it at the bush, and I'm like what are you doing? He's like, there's something in there. I'm like, okay, we're in, we're in the woods, you know, (laughs) suddenly a rabbit comes out, you know? And he's like, Oh, it's just a rabbit. And then I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I said, but what chased it out of the bush? And he unloaded this gun into the bush. Just boom, 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 boom into this bush. Oh, I and I'm like, okay, I, you need to drive me home now. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's pulling out, he blows out a tire. So I had to change his tire, and then we went home. But uh, that was my that was my hunting experience, hunting Bigfoots. Uh, we didn't find one. But uh, I th- but he's convinced we found a nest. So. Do you remember a couple of years ago, the big controversy at that time was the dentist who was, like, safari hunting? But hmm. these were very strictly supervised safaris. And so, it was like a giraffe or something? Yeah, he killed a okay. lion. Mm-hmm. And the controversy there was, I guess if you're like out... I mean, lions tend to occupy like Saharas and, you know, they're not like, they're not like walking around dense jungles. Sure. They that's, need land, yeah. Yeah, that's tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but so like the big because here's the thing like the 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 subject of trophy hunting i'm not philosophically against mm-hmm. i think you should not hunt animals to extinction obviously but sure. the the occasional trophy hunt uh where the animals got a fair shot at you okay i i get it i don't necessarily need to engage in it but i get sure. the activity yeah. um but I feel, but I think the argument at the time was like you're like shooting lions while like they're lazily laying out on a. They're rock. just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. There's like no this isn't that. fair. It's no. like like picking off kids in a park, um, <laughs> or fish in a barrel. We'll say. Yeah. <laughs> um, just just laying, you know, just walking along Pinellas Beach, you know, like oh, I'm catching rays, boom, you know, like, wait, yeah, not doing anything here. any harm, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and then like giraffes are not vicious animals; they they, I they eat assume leaves. Not. Yeah. Um. So I mean, unless like you happen to be a foul, a stampede of wild giraffe, <laughs> this, this this not much of a challenge here. No. And so, in spirit, I understood what was go- what was going on, and I supported the you know as long as we you know there's it wasn't poaching, no one was endangered as far as the animals were concerned. It was nothing illegal per se. Mm. I didn't mind the trophy hunting, but like maybe your choice of animals wasn't great. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and going I, down to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I don't understand. Like, here's the thing. When I went hunting, we went wild boar hunting, and the pigs had, like, a good shot at me. You know? Those like, are scary. Yeah, man. They, 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 they will charge you. Oh, yeah. And if you, if you don't hit them, there's a good chance you're going to get hurt. Like, pig, wild pigs will, will bite you. I had um, a, a face off with a javelina in, in a car, and this thing didn't back down. Right. This Havelina faced off with me and charged at my car that was facing it. I could have run it over, but I I I blinked first. <laughs> I got the hell out of there. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like in hunting the animal should have a sporting chance. Yes. And that, that's my only thing with hunting is you know, if you're if you're going the if you're going to a game preserve to hunt where the animal has a no chance, you're right. That's like that's like fishing at an aquarium. Yep. Um even then, the fish have, have an opportunity to, like, not bite the hook. There you go. <laughs> you just walk it. Bang! I got one. <laughs> and then the other side of that is the weapon you're choosing. Again, if you're, like, lighting up the woods with with an automatic weapon, I'm like, that's not really fair to the animal. No. No. They, they yeah, they, <laughs> they don't have any projectiles, especially <laughs> rapid-fire ones. No. Like, no. the hippo's like, we're taking fire! <laughs> Man, the Get, cannons! Throw the porcupines! Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, but yeah, so, so uh, Mr. Frank and Mr. Logan, they don't want to hurt nothing, probably. Maybe. Uh, we joined they only, Dan... They only hunt the most dangerous game. It's true. It's true. Uh, the, the son of the devil, apparently. <laughs> but, uh... We're going to join Dan Ketch in his room here. He's huddled, he's you know on the floor leaning against the bed, and he's reading a note uh, that's promising to tell him everything he wants to know about the secrets of Ghost Rider. Now, Ghost Rider is a blind spot for me personally. Do you have uh, much uh, information or uh, much interest yeah. in Ghost Rider? I would say secondary or even tertiary to my 
uh, Avengers reading. Mm-hmm. I definitely read Ghost Rider. I was very interested in the Ghost Rider character mm-hmm. um, and very disappointed in what Fox did with it. To a lesser extent, I kind of liked what they did with the Ghost Rider character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I just wasn't aware that Robbie Reyes was a thing. So that was a little surprising or that he had given up the motorcycle. Oh, he's in the car. Yeah, he's in the car in that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just me not having followed comics for years. Yeah, but overall, yeah, I love the concept of the Ghost Rider character. I love the character. I I love the penance stare. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's, you know, everybody has like kind of the same iterations of various superpowers. Christ, who doesn't have (laughs) accelerated healing strength and agility you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know or an iron man suit of some kind sure but the penance stare was super interesting the i i used to like and when i wrote when i when i used to do creative writing i used i loved the ghostwriter character for that reason Mm because there's so much you can do with and and i think this is why ultimately i went into mental health the concept of guilt and shame as something that would render you helpless. Oh, tell was, me about it. Was, yeah, it was like <laughs> really appealing to me. I guess that makes me kind of a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a cool superpower, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I wish somebody would get around to doing something with the Ghost Rider and really making use of that power and not like, his head's on fire! You know, that <laughs> sort of thing. You, you can't see it, but my hands just waved in a really wimpy fashion. <laughs> um, and... Do you know anything about the Dan Ketch version? Um, he was not Johnny Blaze. <laughs> That's about the size of it. Because it looks like here he uh, he doesn't... He's still new to the role, so he doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about the transformations and stuff. And we're actually going to talk about his transformation as we work our way through this, because... Uh, it seems to uh, it seems to happen to him by surprise uh, later on. Um, so uh, so he has this note here it says, hey, you know, I got this crystal that'll tell you everything you want to know about Ghost Rider. And it's signed B.H. So uh, we got to wonder who B.H. is. Um, I don't think it's Benny Hill or Benny Hinn. Um, now, the next room over, Mr. Frank is shirtless and polishing a very large firearm. And there's also like this black shirt with a stylized skull on it laid out on his bed. I mean, that looks familiar, doesn't it? Don't remember that guy having a mustache, but what are you going to (laughs) do? Now, he's greeted by Mr. Logan, who, oh my God, he pops claws? Wait a second. This is actually the Punisher and Wolverine, just like it said on the cover. Go go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Now, get this. They both received letters, mysterious letters from this BH as well. So the Punisher was promised some answers about the people who murdered his family. So it's basically Punisher's only story again. Uh, Wolverine was promised answers regarding his adamantium skeleton, which, oddly enough, they're actually sort of kind of addressing this month in Wolverine's solo book. And uh, together they talk and they wonder if maybe Dan Ketch might be in on this. So... Speaking of Dan, we join him laid out in bed, and he receives a visit from Blackheart, which is probably not what you want to see hovering over you in bed. That's slightly less erotic than the ghost that undid Ray's pants in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. (laughs) There's another movie I saw. Now, (laughs) the storytelling here gets very strange. Um, Like, suddenly, Wolverine and Punisher are in Dan's room fighting Blackheart. 
Like, Punisher is literally, like, putting a shirt on in front of his window. Then he's in Dan's room. Wolverine lunges at the camera. And then he's in Dan's room. Like, he's suddenly in his outfit, and he jumps toward the camera in his room. And in the next panel, he's in Dan's room. I, I feel like there's something missing there. but uh, Yeah, there's footage missing in this film. Yeah, yeah. It, but at least it gets us where we want to be. And uh, we don't have another couple of pages of, of Mr. Frank and Mr. Logan, you know, smelling each other. Uh, <laughs> now, now, they hack and shoot at Blackheart, but, I mean, he's the son of the devil, so that's not going to work, right? <laughs> Um, Blackheart, he's like, hey, cool it. I'm here to make a deal. He says, I want you guys to join with me and kill Mephisto, his father. The heroes don't bite. And so Blackheart vanishes in a big old plume of black smoke. After that dissipates, the fellas hear Lucy, who is Flo's young daughter, crying out. Now Wolverine here literally surfs down the banister. <laughs> I mean, he, he's like, it's like, I, I expect like uh, like Alvin and the Chipmunks theme music to play as he's doing this. But uh, it looks really cool, actually. And it's worth noting, Wolverine is in his uh, his brown costume here, which uh, he wasn't wearing. Well, he actually, he was still wearing it at the time here because uh, we haven't we haven't reached X-Men number four yet. So this is the last month where Wolverine's in his brown costume. Um, now, they find Flo in a trance headed toward the middle of town. Lucy, the daughter, while not in a trance, is powerless to stop her from going. Now, looking down the street, it looks like all the inhabitants of Christ's crown are in that same trance. And Wolverine and Punisher are like, okay, we probably ought to attend to this. And so they leave to do that. Dan sends Lucy back into the house before losing her to Blackheart like two seconds later. Not a good babysitter. Um, He then looks for his motorcycle, which, uh, you know, this and this is... Pardon my ignorance here. I think at this point in time, Dan thinks he needs to be on the motorcycle to transform into Ghost Rider. Is is that is that sound about right? Yeah, he seemed to think his options for transformation were limited. Yes. So he wants to get on the bike to turn into Ghost Rider, but the bike is gone. Now we jump to the middle of town where Blackheart is actually seated on Ghost Rider's motorcycle, and he's he's got Lucy. And the entire town is gathered around him. Wolverine and Punisher arrive, and uh, Blackheart's like, okay, yeah, come and get me. But uh, in order to do that, you'll have to hurt and kill everybody in your way. And so they're like, okay, Punisher, it's like, you do know I have guns, right? So he pulls the gun out, and he just starts shooting Blackheart in the face a whole lot. Which uh, only causes Blackheart to laugh. So, uh no good. Because of course, he is the son of the devil. How would a gun ever work on the son of the devil? I have thoughts. <laughs> when you when you're done and you need me, I have some. I have a lot of thoughts about this book. <laughs> we now uh, Blackheart then takes off on Ghost Rider's bike. Along the way, just to be a jerk, he slashes Lucy's arm wide open. And right as they're passing over Dan, and her blood squirts all over his face. Okay. I guess that's one way to show that you're evil. Now, Wolverine and the Punisher head over to Punisher's boogie van, and they take off. Dan decides, hey, I gotta catch up with these guys, so he breaks into a local bike shop and swipes a new motorcycle in order to keep up. And at this point, those weird little sigils on his hands start to glow, and much to his surprise, his flesh melts off, and he's suddenly Ghost Rider. Gross. Isn't it? 
Now, uh, Wolverine and Punisher, they catch up the Blackheart, who is now surrounded by this weird thicket of thorns. Ghost Rider's like, screw all that. He arrives, he plows right through the thorns. Now, when confronted, Blackheart does that thing where, like, the bad guy offers up the hero's heart's desire in order to join him. You know, it's like, hey, if you join, I'll give you this. So, for the Punisher, well, what else? It's his family. That is the Punisher's only story. So, there you go. Uh, for Wolverine, he's, he offers him answers about them bones. Now, for Ghost Rider, it's answers. It's just a who or what the hell he actually is. The heroes tell him to blow, and then they attack. <laughs> uh, now, Lucy. So much dramatic tension in this. Isn't it? <laughs> now, Lucy, meanwhile, is being accosted by amorphous green figures. Okay. Uh, Ghost Rider, after fighting a little bit, he removes his gloves, revealing his bony hands, and then he just starts punching Blackheart. And it works. He's punching him, and and it seems to hurt him. Blackheart then reaches for Lucy, and so Wolverine uses his adamantium claws, razor-sharp adamantium claws, to slice off the son of the devil's hand. I didn't know that was possible. But then the Punisher decides, you know what? The guns didn't work the first two times. Let's try it again. And so he does. And this time it works. He's all things in threes. (laughs) It's true. He is filling the son of the devil with bullets until he explodes. Um, Just then, you know, the the sky clears for a bit. Then Mephisto himself shows up. And I've never liked the John Romita or this version of Mephisto where he looks kind of like a bird. Like, he's got, like, a beak instead of just, yeah. like, a regular humanoid face. I never really glommed onto this look. But uh, Mephisto shows up to collect his son, and he says, hey, he did a good job. I, I guess he didn't read the past, you know, 40 pages. Um, worth noting, uh, this new Ghost Rider, Dan Catch, baffles even the devil. He's like, I don't know what you are, but we'll figure it out sometime down the line. Make sure to buy Ghost Rider a buck seventy-five a month. Uh, bada bing, <laughs> bada boom. The baddies are gone. Uh, the sun's up, the heroes talk about innocence, and then we zoom in on a bleeding flower, and it's over. So, yeah. What was the pitch for this like? Like, hey, you see, we got these popular characters, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, Howard, Howard, he's doing Ghost Rider, and people like it, so, uh, yeah, we got these characters, let's, uh, let's do it. I have this, I have this idea for Ghost Rider. And he's going to be tempted by the son of Mephisto, who is in a weakened form, uh, having been brought back by Mephisto as such. And he's going to tempt the Ghost Rider, but the Ghost Rider will resist temptation, and he will defeat him as good always wins over evil. Okay, (laughs) what else do you want to do? Wolverine and Punisher. How? (laughs) How? We have another 40 pages to fill, Howard. Come on. (laughs) Um... uh you know, at least when they teamed up Doctor Strange and the Punisher for magic bullets, like, okay, so the Punisher's useless in a magic world, but you have Doctor Strange there to help him out. Mm-hmm. You, the Ghost Rider can't imbue anyone with power the way Doctor Strange can. Sure. And Wolverine and Punisher are not magical characters. How are you shooting a demon? And that's the thing, like, <laughs> if, if the excuse is, well, come now. Surely you you saw the part at the beginning when he was like, Mephisto brought me back in a weakened form. So you are affected by being shot with bullets? Yeah. Like a Baltimore drug dealer? <laughs> but not the first two times. But not the first two times, you know. <laughs> you had to make sure his health bar was, was knocked yes. way down before you 
hit. You, <laughs> you know, needed the limit break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this definitely seemed, you know, like I, as a ghostwriter story, I like the idea of, yeah. yeah, I, it needs more fleshing out as a ghostwriter story mm-hmm. because the idea of taking Danny Ketch on a journey of inner self, mm-hmm. you know, and having him ruminate and wrestle with his identity sure. uh, uh, as the ghostwriter, I think is an interesting story. And so you could play, you could have uh, Blackheart kind of messing with him and tell a really esoteric sort of uh, horror tale about what it is to be the ghostwriter, you know, and you know, and have Danny Catch have like hallucinations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, and instead they were just like, "Die, guy with the fire and the bullets and the claws go to bang to bang." That's it. <laughs> and I'm like, I, because when you initially pitched this to me, I was like, oh, this sounds like a really cool idea. I wonder how Ghostwriter, Wolverine, and Punisher would mesh together, seeing as you have one magic character and two physical action characters. Mm-hmm. What do you do with them to really ma- Nothing, apparently. Nothing. No. No, it's a Care Bear stare. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Point point for that particular uh, that that particular thing. Um, yeah, I I read the I, I got up this morning and I was like I said to my wife I'm like listen I got to go read a book for for a podcast and she's like okay and I, I, within 20 minutes I was done. I was going to say five minutes later. <laughs> and because normally it takes me a few hours to kind of get through some of these that we do for source material. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of five and six issue things. God, oh, yeah, we get collections. Yeah. Yeah. Like we get into like the 12 issue ones. Like we did for like the, the Cree Shire war and stuff like that. Or mm-hmm. like the first 12 issues of the new teen Titans and stuff like that. Um, you know, it takes me a little bit longer, uh, especially cause sometimes my concentration is not the best. I got a little bit of the ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like I, I, I made my coffee and I sat down and I cracked into this thing and I'm reading it online. So as I'm scrolling through it, I'm realizing like we're almost at the end of this story. Yep. And I finished it and my wife's like, are you done already? And I'm like, yeah, that was some light reading. Big that time. was really breezy. Um, yeah, this story leaves so much on the table. Yeah. There's so many ways they could have done, you know, and, and here's the other thing about it. Even if you wanted to do, uh, even, even if you wanted to throw in there the idea of Wolverine and Punisher, you needed two things to really make effective use of them. One, you needed them to also be wrestling with their own identity and history and temptation. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the theme of this story, you know, what do you do when, what do you do with your heart's desire, right? It's called Hearts of Darkness, right? Yep. So wouldn't a story about them nearly giving into their temptation and doing a bad, bad thing be a fun yeah, story? Yeah, there's like, for all the temptation in this, there's none. There's no, they're not tempted right. for even a half a second. This is my kid, like, you know, yeah. trying to tempt me with something. It's like, <laughs> Daddy, you want a cookie? No, I don't want a cookie, Jonas. <laughs> okay. That's the level we're dealing with here. It's like, yeah. th- it's, it's like this was written by a six-year-old. 
And so I says to the Punisher, I'll give you back your wife and kids. No. And so Punisher shot him. (laughs) The end. You want to know about your bones? No. (laughs) It's like, is this a joke? Because that would be funny if it were a joke. You know, it's like build up Wolverine and be like, Wolverine, don't you want to know about your past? Don't you want to know, hey, you got them bones? Nope. Oh, oh. my whole plan is ruined. Like, it's a Saturday Night Live skit now. <laughs> just like slump shoulder, walks off panel. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my whole plan is ruined. It's what he basically did. Like, he like Jack Nicholson's, you know, just, just walks back to his desk. I'm Jack Nicholson in The Shining. You know, <laughs> the, you know that meme. Um... And everybody puts up when you're frustrated with something is just walking along and knocking stuff off a counter. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it's like Blackheart just kind of walks back to his desk. He's got like Acme drawings and blueprints. Just <laughs> knocks it all over. <laughs> He's got a manila folder with plan B written on it. It's like, oh. <laughs> um, it's like I'm going to like, what's your plan, Blackheart? Like he need like at this point, if you're going to do a book this garbage, you needed he needed cronies to talk to. And so, like, he should have been like, like, what's your plan, boss? Well, I'm going to ask Wolverine, Punisher, and Ghost Rider one question if they want something. <laughs> and and as, you don't, I don't know if you watch Family Guy at all. Uh, but, no, it's been ages. Okay, so the Star Wars Family Guy, uh, Blue Harvest, mm-hmm. um, when they're about to blow up Alderaan, they're like, 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 we'll test the Death Star on your home planet of Alderaan. And she goes, no! And... <laughs> Tarkin, the character playing Tarkin turns to Vader, who is Stewie, and he's like, she said no. Should we do it anyway? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the level we're dealing with here. It's true. Punisher, do you want to know your family? Do you want your family back? No. Aw. He said no. (laughs) He said no. Dang it. (laughs) Well, foiled again. What about the little guy in the brown outfit? <laughs> Can we, let's ask him next. No, this is a very, very low stakes. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, like you said, it does leave so much on the table because I, I think the uh, the whole trope of the, like the creepy little town, I think there's, there's just so much meat on that bone. And, uh, but it's not drawn that way. No. Oh, it's yeah, a, it's true. A couple of like the townsfolk look a little wide eyed. But they're not, they don't really do anything with them. Like, if this is supposed to be, you know, a creepy little house on a creepy little hill in a creepy little town where the wind blows, you know, and, and, and black cats cross your path, why did you make it look like little little house on the prairie? Hey, yeah. <laughs> now, this is, uh, this was some silliness. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine someone paying $5 for this. My only thought is, and, and I want you to think back to, I don't know how much younger or older you are than, than I am. I'm 44. I'm so, 40. Okay. So we are an entire high school career apart. Yes. Um, but so you're, so you're, you're in high school in the mid nineties. I'm in high school in the early nineties. Yeah. 94 to 97. It was me. But, yeah. But we both grew up on Long Island. It sounds like. Yep. So, so my question to you is, do you remember like. Because you and I, being 40-year-old men and having a degree of ability to interpret literature 
and talk deeply and you know we're kind of pulling on like i don't know if you're in ap english but i would imagine you were not in like the dummy english class oh uh, yeah i was yeah i was a I, I think it was called igc at the time okay um anyway it, we were in the you know both of us have the ability to interpret literature and talk about it with a degree of of intelligence but that's us now with those skills developed then mm. And I'm wondering if your friends in the mid night in '95 through uh, through '99 were like my friends in '90 through '94, who this would have been fine. Like <laughs> they would have been like, "Ah, the Punisher shot Mephisto, yay!" And like their pants would have been both stiff and wet. It would have been fine. I mean, I mean, young blood's not out yet, so I, I guess this was had to, this is what uh, what led. To- let us down that primrose path, but uh, yeah, I mean, your, your point is very well taken. This is uh, this is really um, th- this could have come without a single word in it, and I think uh, I think there are people there would have been an audience for it simply mm-hmm. because these were the hot characters, and uh, you get to see them do what they do. You have Punisher, you have Punisher shooting, you have Wolverine slicing off limbs, you have the Ghost Rider for some reason, taking off his gloves and punching someone in the face. Uh, if you gave 20, if you gave a hundred comic book readers from 1990 through 1998, two books, this one or Arkham Asylum, the majority probably would have preferred this. <laughs> I don't know if we're selling a lot of people short, but uh, I, I can't argue. <laughs> That's my theory, at least. And, and it's like when I when I announced that that we were going to be covering this book as part of the show, people actually had like fond memories of it. And uh, to which I, I, you know, I never I never replied to anything, but I, I thought to myself, I wonder if they've read it, in, you know, in 25 years, because uh, looking at it, I when I when I pulled it off the shelf for this uh, recording here, I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I think this was OK. Think about what's popular. What year did this come out? 1991. Okay. So think about what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Okay. You're going to have the alternative scene, mm-hmm. quote, you know, the Seattle sound. Yep. Yeah. Which is going to turn into new metal. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to get corn and you're going to get um, Rob Zombie who splits off from White Zombie. So music's going to go in a really darker uh, in, in a really dark way, like popular mm-hmm. music is going to get really dark. What are you also going to get in the nineties? You're going to get the rise of gangster rap, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to get the rise of Biggie, the rise of Tupac, um, and just the rise of like really in Snoop Dogg, just or a lot of really violent. You know, uh, uh, here's a glimpse of of the inner city black experience through through rap music mm-hmm. from what it once was, which was party music, like the Run sure. DMC, Ella Kulte era. Mm-hmm. You're going to get in movies, you know, the, the, the 90s, the 90s are known for their ridiculous over the top violent movies. Sure. Um, I, I want to think like people like point to this era as like the end of film okay. because, you know, because like this is where they were just, like Hollywood was just pumping out over the top action movies where everybody gets shot up um, mm-hmm. and it's just ridiculous. Um, what else happens in the nineties? Oh, and the, the one that I started this train of thought with, but went elsewhere when I opened my mouth. Uh, this is the rise of the attitude era. 
Yep. Yeah, the anti-hero, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, in the arcades. Um, th- there was a, there was certainly a darkening, uh, and uh, and from what everything you've just said, I think we can uh, we can either blame or thank Howard Mackey for that. <laughs> he was the architect of the 1990s. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I just like you know we're talking about audience members, and so your cohort and my cohort which are only four years apart overall, um, all had access to the same media. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all part of the same cohort that was glomming onto anti-heroes and yeah. violence. And, you know, none of this is particularly deep. No, no, certainly not. You know, it was sort of... Vi- it was just a novelty. It, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to say it was violence for violence sake. Because I think it spoke to, you know, it, the 90s followed the 80s, and the 80s it was, was an era swing. of excess. Yeah, it was a pendulum swing. Right. And so, you know, you, you, you kind of come out of the 70s, the malaise of the 70s, which was coming out of, like, the, the revolution of the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, like, so just follow me with this, and I swear to God, I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> so you come out of World War II into the 50s, and we're the only like civilization left standing, <laughs> um, and so it's high hopes with you know with the, with the background of possible nuclear Armageddon. But like it's the fifties, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- America's never been richer, mm-hmm. and that gives way to the children of the sixties, who were part of the the civil rights movement and the counterculture movement, which gives way to the seventies, which is the pendulum swinging back the other way, going everything's crap, Vietnam, Malays. Era, you know, uh, the um, shortages and yeah, all yeah, that. what do you call it? The oil issues and the hostages and all of that. And then the pendulum swings back the other way, and it's the era, and it's greed is good in the era of the 80s. Yep, you know, it's Reagan, it's all of that. And so the 90s is that natural swing backwards again mm-hmm. to where we're swinging in the other direction of well, we've just had this, you know, this decade of excess and success that like rivals the 50s now things are like on a downturn again sure um and i think this book and a lot of comics reflected that i guess oh certainly it was yeah it was definitely uh in the gestalt you know i mean that was the people who were writing this were living it you know they were living this time so yeah it uh it stands to reason that uh that their experiences would uh would be reflected at least in the tone of uh, mm-hmm. the stories they were trying to tell. So yes, that, that, uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense here. Um, you know, going, going back through this here, uh, anything particularly, uh, stand out to you about the odd? It was easy enough to follow. Yeah. E- even the parts where they're, they're in those, that weird thorn bush. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Like that's the only thing about this entire book. I remembered is that they that they drove through thorns uh, from you know twenty years twenty five years ago and like, then there's Ghost Rider meep meep gangway that's it <laughs> he's like I don't got time to suffer thorns I'm just gonna fly right through do <laughs> <laughs> you have any final thoughts about this uh, very deep uh, very conflicting um, a tale in the lives you. yes so you're you're like knee deep in modern comics sort of. You talk to well, you talk to people who read them. Sure, and I know that from the chats that I'm involved with you. 
Um, <laughs> you talk to comic book purveyors. You talk to comic book readers. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a call for the kind of depth in storytelling that I think is missing from this book that I, I mean, it's out there if you know where to look for it. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly been in some of the books that Jesse and I have talked about. Um, my, my central argument with all of this is the comic book readers of the time were just not particularly wanting anything deep. Um, would you say that's the case now that the modern comic reader is really not looking for Atlas shrugged here. They're looking for Atlas takes off her top. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think uh, the the modern comic fan wears two faces um, because this book, I think we can I think we can safely call it a popcorn book. Right. Sure. I mean, this was just action. The, there was a story, at least something we could follow from beginning to end. Yes, but there, it was, there, it was there was the barest of plot. Yes, yes, but but yet but yet a plot. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is definitely a a fandom for that, a market for that, and depending on my mood, I might be in that fandom. You know, I think we all because you know look at. Look at movies. I don't watch movies, but I do know that they come in different forms. You know, there oh, no. are... no, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I like porn as much as I like a good movie. <laughs> so I, I'm not. I'm not shaming anyone. <laughs> no, I'm no, no. But the... I'm above it. <laughs> no, no. But this is this is what I'm saying here. I think with the fact that so much of what we like being public now. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I can I can flip a tab over to a social media site and say that I love the most sophisticated thing in the world, and people could be like, "Wow, this is a sophisticated guy. He likes sophisticated things." Sure. Whereas I could post the picture of this on there and be like, "This was okay," <laughs> and people would be like, "Wow, this guy's an idiot." But I think we wear <laughs> I think we wear two faces where we have the things that we really like, which might include weird stuff, might include silly popcorn stuff, might include some sophisticated stuff. But I think for public consumption, we just want to be all about the uh, the heady and deep uh, because mm-hmm. that makes us look heady and deep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I answered the question or avoided it. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think we basically what you said is there's probably a good amount of people that are looking for the comic book equivalent of porn. And there are <laughs> and there Sorry, are Papa. and there are certainly uh, enough people out there that are if they're not looking for it actively that are at least open to something, you know, that is the, that is the comic book equivalent to like 1917. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, cause I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of my bookshelves here right now. And uh, I mean, it's, it's very, I, I think that I have very eclectic is eclectic mean wide and diverse. I don't know. I have very diverse <laughs> tastes. I mean, it, I got shelves of superheroes. I've got shelf of shelves of indie stuff. Um, it, yeah, it's really just a. I, I think that there's room for a lot of different stuff here. I just don't know how much of that we like to wear on our sleeve. Yeah, I mean, look, I just reposted a review of the uh, television show The Watchmen from mm-hmm. HBO, which was the best show I've seen probably since The Wire. They made a show about Watchmen. Yes. Wow. Uh, and it was amazing, and it's oh. very relevant now given the current political social climate we're going through in the country. Which is, I think, why HBO was like tripping over themselves to make it available to people. Ah. Um, but yeah, The Watchmen, no joke, best TV show I've seen in years. Mm. Um, but I also just reviewed The Three Caballeros, uh, Legend of the Three Caballeros from Disney Plus, 
And, you know, I mean, and then I'm going to review Supergirl next week. <laughs> so <laughs> don't anyone listening to this be like, oh, hoity toity. No, I'm not. <laughs> we got to blow the dust off the books right now. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, if that's all we've got about this uh, Hearts of Darkness, uh, we have a little bit of a hook here. And uh, this is probably the fifth or sixth time you're hearing me explain this (laughs) as part of the program. But uh, I'm doing this thing where I ask questions. Uh, Last time out, we did uh, the pod file where I went through the Marvel bullpen bulletins page and just asked a bunch of silly questions to uh, all the hosts. This time... We're going to discuss something a little bit different here. It's a question that uh, that I think that there might be a lot of meat on this bone, and uh, we'll find out in a few seconds here. So, Mr. Radulich, yes, sir. if there was a soundtrack to your life, <laughs> what songs would be on it? Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> pack a sack lunch. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> uh, this is going to be not just thematically like ooh this song speaks to me in my personal experience but mm-hmm. the song that was there at a point in my life that resonates with that still resonates to me okay you know a beacon of my childhood or my adulthood mm-hmm. that i still hearken back to very cool so track 1 i'm going to do 10 tracks is that cool okay yeah absolutely okay ten, track 1 here i go again by white snake okay Okay. Uh, track two. I'm gonna pick one of this band's songs, but I could. There's like a half a dozen I could have gone with here, but I'm just gonna pick one, and it's not one with a curse word in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is gonna be um, uh, "Mouth for War" by Pantera. Okay. Uh, the next one's going to be, was there any, is there anything you wanted to explain about your choices? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know how long you wanted me to go here. So we got all day. (laughs) (laughs) So let me go back. So here I go again by white snake. First of all, white snake's one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm Um, and here I go again. I know like what the song is about in terms of like what the band wanted it to be about. Mm-hmm. But if you ever like hear the lyrics, like, you know, but I know what I mean to walk along the lonely streets of dreams. Here I go again on my own. Uh, the only road I've ever known. Like, I can remember a lot of time spent, like, riding my bike around uh, Nassau County, Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt, believe it or not, kind of uh, isolated from people. Okay. You know, like I never quite fit in, even among my friends and people who I had things in common with. I always felt a, a slightly apart. Gotcha. And so here I go again. Here I go again on my own. Um, spoke to me in particular. Cool. Okay. So I'd be out there on my bike, you know, on the road, r- literally riding my bike. Because, um, you know, because I was too young to have a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that song was there and it was kind of like the soundtrack to my life. Um, Mouthful War by Pantera. Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera was like, for a, you know, for a lot of people who in the generation before, you know, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin was like their metal awakening, Motorhead. Mm-hmm. Pantera was my metal awakening. Gotcha. Um, and I got into them after Cowboys from Hell came out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first discovered them, I discovered them at a club in Mineola called Hotel Leningrad. Okay. I haven't heard Mineola in ages. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mineola, with the name of an Indian tribe. Um, it's also a town in uh, Long Island. And there was so my, my cousin brought me to a club, a uh, dance club in uh, Long Island. And that's where, and they, they, it was quote unquote industrial night, but they played basically modern rock at that time, modern metal. So there was, and you'll hear some bands on this list of, of songs, but there was Pantera. There was Body Count. Um, there was, uh, gosh, um, a whole like lot of like bit, that that mid '90s, early '90s like reawakening of metal mm-hmm. that was occurring at that time that would then like define the next twenty years of, of rock and roll. Um, and that's the first time I heard the song was actually "Effing Hostile" mm-hmm. by Pantera from Vulgar Display of Power, and I, I was never the same after. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but the very first time I heard, so I heard the song and then I went out and I got the album mm-hmm. and I love the album. The album is a guy getting punched in the face. Okay. Definitely speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just, if you ever hear the beginning of Mouthful War, it's like, like the, just one of the most perfect openings to a metal album ever. Hmm. Um, so here I go again, Mouthful War. Ugh. Let's move forward a little bit. Um, I got to pick something by clutch here. So let's say, um, let's say, there's so many clutch songs, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now, what 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 uh, era is uh, is clutch from? Uh, well, clutch started in like the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the, the the one I was thinking of was Electric Worry, Electric. and I know that and everyone's like, "Boo! Why don't you why don't you pick Shogun named Marcus while you're at it?" I'm picking yeah because I had to do broad strokes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Clutch is my favorite band of all time. Okay, they are amazing, and they started with uh, a Shogun named um, not a Shogun. They started with Transnational Speedway, mm-hmm. uh, which comes out. I mean, they, there was EPs before that, but uh, th- that's 1993. Okay. And they just put out an album not that long ago. Uh, they put out, you know, a do- and their sound changed over time. They, they were associated with the, with the hardcore movement. And actually, my, one of my favorite memories of Clutch was not knowing they were even going to be on a show. I went to go see what, a quote-unquote hardcore uh, collection of, like, it was like a, just a bunch of bands that, like, the, that, that played to get noticed by record industry people. Gotcha. And I think like Biohazard was like headlining this thing. Mm-hmm. They were the big draws. So, but Clutch kind of snuck in there amongst all these other New York hardcore bands. And we didn't, and I knew of them, and I was one of the few, I think, in that crowd. And they were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just incredible. Um, and so I've, I've listened to them ever since. Jesse and I have done a whole bunch of reviews of their stuff. Uh, I've made endless mixes and given them to people. Uh, I play them for people at work. They're just the greatest band ever. Mm. Uh, and Electric Worry is probably their most like accessible, like wildly commercial song. More mainstream. Okay. Yeah. I like like if I had to say, like if I had to just boil it down to one song and be like, if you have to listen to one clutch song, listen to, listen to this one. It's Electric Worry. Gotcha. Which, 
came from Beale Street from Beale Street to Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Clutch. Uh, gosh, I've only done three songs here. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so I'm going to throw a Body Count song on here mm-hmm. because I have to talk about that now. I've talked about that, <laughs> that, that, that experience, but it's, it's going to be a fun one. It's called Body Counts in the House. It's just sirens. And <laughs> <laughs> it's sirens and the band playing, and it's just an introduction to who the band are. It's like it, it's Ice T going body counts in the house, body count, and telling everyone who's in the band. <laughs> that's it. Nice. <laughs> um, but that's what they played. They played that at Hotel Leningrad. And, you know, and ever since then, every time Body Counts Body Count released a few albums, like they've had a resurgence over the past couple of years. Uh, but I don't know if you know what Body Count were famous for. Uh, Body Count wrote a, their their initial self-titled album has the song Cop Killer on it. OK, OK. And then Rodney King happens. Yes. And everyone blames Ice-T. Oh, boy. <laughs> because of Cop Killer. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and Ice T has to now do a photo shoot for Rolling Stone, where he's wearing a cop outfit. That's the whole thing. But uh, Warner Brothers now, you you know, like you can find Cop Killer if you really look for it. But no official pressing of Body Count's premiere album has that on it. Wow. Uh, so Body Count's one of my favorites. Ice T's hilarious. I actually met Ice T in a strip club in Los Angeles once. Really? Yeah, and the bet and my favorite part of meeting him, he was super cool. I shook his hand. I didn't like it's he's in a strip club and he's a big celebrity. I don't want to bother him. Sure. But you know, I'd seen him, we left him alone like while he was there, but we were leaving. I'm like, let me go shake the guy's hand before I leave. And I walked up, I'm like, hey dude, huge fan. And I was. Like, my parents did not give a shit what I listened to when I was a kid, as -hmm. long as they didn't have to hear it. So I grew up with earphones (laughs) on. (laughs) Sure. And I, before I moved to the white neighborhood I lived in, I lived in an all-black neighborhood, so I grew up listening to rap music. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. because I'm a filthy pervert, I grew up listening to, like, Two Live Crew and <laughs> Ice-T. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, like, we're going, like... Two Live Crew. Yeah. Years. Wow. Um, yep, <laughs> I had that when that... I had the initial pressing of that. Um, I had er, Ice-T's early stuff, Rhyme Pays, OG, um... Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Power, that's the one I was thinking of. Mm. Um, Power might have actually been one of my first cassettes I ever owned. In any case, so I was a huge fan of Ice-T. So I see him in the strip club, living, well, I'm living in Los Angeles, and uh, I walk over to him, like, hey, man, me and my friend are about to go, but I've listened to you since I was a little kid. I just think you're the best, and I'm, you know, and I just wanted to say thank you for, for bringing happiness and music into my life. And he was like, wow, that's really cool of you to say. Thank you very much. And I shook his hand. And I'm like, you have yourself a great night. Thank you. Thank you. I walk away mm-hmm. and the stripper comes over to me as I'm leaving. She's like, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, yeah, you have, you're practically naked. Yes, you can talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no problem there. She's like, she's like, you're a fan of his? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's such a loser. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, stripper. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, dude, he's in here. Every night. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, like he's such a weenie. I'm like, 
And my friend and I have been dining out on that story for years now because that happened like in the late 90s. Um, I was dying laughing. My friend and I laughed hard about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. All right. So that's number. That's, that's four. That's four. Okay. Number five. Um, New World Order by Ministry. Okay. Just one of my favorite bands. Another band that came out of the Hotel Leningrad experience. Um, the initially the, the the song I heard at that night was Thieves from uh, A Mind Does a Terrible Thing to Taste, but um, Ministry is one of those bands that like defined among uh, uh, next to Pantera so much of what would come next in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love industrial music. I still do. I love bands like KMFDM. Um, when Nine Inch Nails became the industrial band, I was like, I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. So many better bands out there than this garbage. Um, but of course, everyone gloms onto the popular thing. Sure. And Trent Reznor was a cutie patootie, so and he whatever. He said the F word in a song. He did. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Closer. Um, yeah. But uh, for years, for years, for years, for years, because I didn't go to Lollapalooza that they were on, I missed that mm-hmm. one. Um, I started going after that. But for years, I waited for Ministry to tour because they were we were just the whole group of us, the whole group of us high school kids were obsessed with Ministry at the time. And they finally toured on their Filth Pig. Uh, they, they toured on their Filth Pig album mm-hmm. and they played at the at the Roseland Ballroom in Midtown Manhattan, Manhattan which is no yeah. longer there. Yeah, no longer there. Yeah. So many of my memories come from that place, by the way. Mm. There, Irving Plaza, the Wetlands. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a lot of time going to concerts and not doing stuff with my life. Um, <laughs> you know, while other people were going to school and earning money, I was going to concerts. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, who's laughing now, man? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> we had fun. We spent a lot of time waiting for ministry to come come around, and we saw a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at my height, I was going to three and four shows a week. Oh, wow. To one, de- to one degree or another, yeah. I mean, like, every, you know, like some shows were, you know, at the local PWAC. Um, sure, P- sure. Uh, which stood for People with AIDS Center. It was a little community center that used to host hardcore shows. So, like, something as, like, a $10 show like that or yeah. the Roseland or Irving Plaza. Like, I wasn't going to the Nassau Coliseum or anything. Mm. Four nights a week. So, anyway. Which is, which is also something they're closing down. Yeah, I know. That's why I never want to go home again. <laughs> it's too depressing. True that. <laughs> um, so, Ministry finally comes around on the Filth Pig Tour. And I remember just how happy I was to be there. And how happy the band made me. And how happy that, that experience was. And how beat to shit I was when it was over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just tore. I used to mosh pretty hard. And I got tore from the neck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was I've been moshing since I'm like 12. Wow. Um, You know, I didn't play football. I moshed. That's what I used to say. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. uh, New World Order by Ministry. Very cool. Um, Disciple by Slayer. Okay. So I don't know how familiar you are with Slayer. Uh, I think they have a song called Disciple. (laughs) Yes. Their other (laughs) famous one is Angel of Death. But let's talk about Disciple. Uh, God Hates Us All came out on September 11th, 2001. 
No, no kidding. No kidding. Look it up. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was in Brooklyn uh, working at a foster care agency at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, just across the river, like as far as lat- longitude and latitude lines, I was directly across the river from the World Trade Center when it went down. Oh, boy. I was in the city. At, I was in Brooklyn at the time. Mm. Um, I was... Well, the first plane hit while I was already at work. Okay. The second plane hit... Like, I got to work, and the, and the first plane had already hit, and people were talking about it. And the way they were making it sound, it sounded like I was like a Cessna or something. Like, I didn't realize it was a passenger airliner. A little, yeah. Um, so while we're at work and we're talking about the first one, the second one hits. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no work getting done anymore. No. Now we're like, we're under attack. Certainly. Um, and there was talk about the Israeli Palestinian issue and how that might've caused it. And all kinds of things were going on and people were like glued to their radios. A bunch of us left and walked down to the river mm-hmm. and with my own two bare eyes, I watched one of the towers collapse. Oh, jeez. Uh, so Slayers, so Slayers, God hates us all. Heavens to share that ominous day with that mm. uh, event. Um, and I love the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, the, the, the chorus of the song is God hates us all. And it's like my, my favorite Slayer song of all time. Mm. It's, but, you know, each one of these things connects to a memory or, or something. Sure. Else, that's what that connects for me. Gotcha. Um, and Slayer, who I don't think they're the most conservative band out there, being you know, <laughs> seeing as their a lot of their stuff is very anti-God, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Satan in their stuff. Um, I remember the tour, the God Hates Us All uh, tour that followed was very like anti-terrorist and very pro-America. It was a sure. weird. It was very weird for that band. Gotcha. Um, very, uh, oh, what's the word they use? Um, it's very, like, pro-America, you know. Sure, uh, patriotic, jingoist, yeah. Jingoistic, that's what I was looking for. All right, how many is that? That is six. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, okay. So, nothing else matters. By Metallica. Okay. That's one I've uh, actually heard. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got married the second time to the love of my life, my current wife, Melissa Rattledge, mm-hmm. um, my dad read from uh, the, ly- the read the lyrics to Nothing Else Matters. We had a few different people who were meaningful in our family, did readings, and we did traditional readings. And then there's me, this asshole, who has his dad <laughs> read Metallica lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some of the lyrics? I, I, I I'm I'm trying to think of uh, I know the chorus. I, trust I seek and I find in you every day for a something new, open mind for a different view and nothing else matters. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, doesn't sound bad to me. Ah, it's all good. Yeah, at least at least you didn't have him reading from Hearts of Darkness. <laughs> 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 all right. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Is that Madonna? 
Well, before it was Madonna, it was just a musical. Okay. It was from the musical Evita. Yes. Um, I sang it a lot as a kid. I don't know why. I just come from that kind of household. There was always music. You know, my mom was big into the 50s. My dad... <laughs> my dad listened to show tunes and folk music. Okay. Make the jokes. I always do. Um... <laughs> But there was, oh, you know, like we weren't a sports home. We weren't a cars home. We were a music and theater home. Gotcha. And even though neither one of my parents are music and theater people, my dad worked for a phone company. My dad worked for the phone company. And my mom did various jobs, including homemaker. Sure. Um, but you could always hear the 50s and Elvis and um, and my dad's show tunes coming out of the house on any given weekend when we were cleaning and, you know, just doing stuff around the house. Mm-hmm. My house was always rocking. Very cool. And so I remember as a kid, I was always a very theatrical kid. Um, I don't know if you picked that up about me now. Because I'm, I tend to come across very dry. <clears throat> you have your moments where you slip in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was a performer. I was a little performer as a kid. Uh, hmm. My cousins and I used to put on shows. Um, which I think will be the next song I pick. Uh, we used to put on little shows and we, you know, and we would sing and we would dance. And to this day, I, I kind of hang on to that. Now my daughter has, my daughter has picked up on that. We asked okay. her today, like, what do you want to do this year, this coming school year? Do you know, what kind of activities do you want to be in? And she's like, anything where I'm on a stage. Great. So, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So don't cry for me, Argentina. Uh, walk like an Egyptian by the Bengals. Okay. Um, I have very fond memories of the two cousins. I don't have I don't have any brothers or sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a half sister who I did not meet until I was an adult because okay. she had been given up for adoption. Um, she came from a whole other relationship my mom had before she met my dad. Mm-hmm. So ostensibly, I grew up an only child. Sure. And um, I had a lot of cousins who were much older than me. A lot of cousins who were much younger than me. But the two that were my contemporary cohorts. Uh, were a year or two, either my my age or a year or so above me, and so they were like my they were kind of like my sisters, mm-hmm. and we were very um, we were very connected uh, at one point, uh, very enmeshed, mm-hmm. and I remember being at their house and doing this very elaborate dance set to you, t- you can tell I grew up in the eighties, um, <laughs> set to Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals. Very nice. Um, and I had to get something from the 80s in there because, like, I don't just listen to metal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. How many have we got left? We got one left. Oh, I got to make it a good one. Uh, gosh. Um, uh, Green Day. Time of your life. Okay. Every, every, like, you know, uh, every movie that ends with somebody sort of closing a chapter on their life and moving on to the next big thing should end with Green Day's Time of Your Life. You know that one? Yep, I do. Okay. I do, I do. Uh, I went to Los Angeles to become a screenwriter and get into the movie business. I ended up working for a wrestling company that was owned by a porn company, like you do. And <laughs> that's uh, what's his face? Uh... Yeah, Rob Black. Rob Black, yeah. XPW, yep. I worked for XPW. I'm actually on one or two of their TV shows. Nice. 
Um, did not make it in film. Wrote a couple of screenplays. Didn't sell anything. Like I said, ended up working for, ended up doing marketing for Rob's porn company for a while uh, while learning how to wrestle. Um, met a girl, lived with people. I really tried my best to do to make it in Hollywood uh, with the resources I had available to me and the know-how I had at the time. If I could do it all over again, I would have done it much differently. I bet. But, <laughs> not getting into wrestling would have been, being obsessed with wrestling would have been one of them. Um, but... I, I, you know, from 98 to 2000, 2001, somewhere in there, I really did my best to make a go of it. I, I bottomed out. Um, I got sick of the industry. I got sick of wrestling. I got sick of a lot of things. Sure. I was just at a miserable point in my life. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go do something else. And I, I ended up moving to Massachusetts and finding mental health and becoming a social worker and the next part of my life began and it's still going. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, again, I was in my twenties. Sure. So I always look at that as the point where like, and even though I would go on to continue to make some stupid mistakes and, you know, some, some bad choices. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I've heard your podcast. You have definitely, <laughs> <laughs> You have talked about some shit, my friend. Um, and I listen to it and I go, okay, I'm not alone. Good. Um, <laughs> but I landed in a great place. I have a wife. I have two kids. I have a house. I have a great job that I like. Well, some people wouldn't think it's a great job. I think it's a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I get my health in order. I'm a satisfied, contented, happy man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started with my decision to leave Los Angeles and give up trying to break into film. Gotcha. Um, and the song that was playing at the time when I packed up my shit and left mm-hmm. and said, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not staying here, was Time of Your Life by Green Day. How, how, how apropos, huh? It really, I mean, it might have also That's been wild. Sugar Ray. Who knows? It was the <laughs> night. But, <laughs> you know... Might have been sublime. I don't know. I'm not, you know. It's Harvey Danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Every morning. Oh, God. Talk about a song that made me want to shoot myself on the morning commute. I hate Sugar Ray. Anyway. Um, no. It was the time. I, I know for a fact it was the time of your life because I couldn't believe how kismet that was. That's the, the absolute 100%. Oh, that's awesome. I kind of actually, I think I might have looked up and looked at God and be like, ha. <laughs> You do have a sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> Very right, good. There you go. Very oh. cool. No, this was a lot of fun. Mm. No, this was a lot of fun here. But before I let you go here, uh, I want to give you some time to uh, to plug your stuff. Oh, gosh. Do people still want to hear me talk? Um, a little while longer. <laughs> a little while longer. All right. Mm. Well, I don't know when this is going up, um, but you can find all of my podcasts and my various blather at um, Spreaker.com slash wrestling to the number two the max the word wrestling the number two the max um if you go on any of your podcast catchers and just type in rattledge you'll see the little cartoon that alexis hayna of honey suckle rose creations drew and you'll find all of our podcasts if you happen to find the one that says we move to w to the max that's not the right one 
Go 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 to the other one. <laughs> go to the other one, and and all the links will be in the uh, in the show notes. So uh, everything here will uh, will be will be there to for you to click on. So if you're if you're looking at your device right now, or if you're looking at your monitor, there should be a button you could push to find all this stuff. So you won't we have to re- learn to spell rattleish like I had to. <laughs> we review TV shows. We review the new movies. Movies are coming out soon. I don't know when this is going to drop, but um, at the end of July. Uh, if this if it hasn't passed already, Mulan should be coming out. Tenet should be coming out. We'll review all of those. Hey, the new mutants, right? That's coming out. We'll review that. Mm. Watch TV shows. Um, we do comics, whether Jesse is here or not. Uh, we also do metal. You know, you've heard me lay out half a dozen metal songs. Uh, we review new metal albums. Uh, we do, we've done some recent uh, Elstorm, Termion Catalot, uh, Lamb of God. So those are all in our archives. You can check those out. And me and Jesse usually, um, and a handful of ones I did solo, which I'll never do again. I envy you. I envy your ability to go solo because I can't do it. Um, it's 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 sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it is the hardest thing in the world, and it takes it takes like an hour to get two two minutes of audio. It's it it goes both ways. It's very strange. Uh, and I think that's it. We used to do some sports on here. We haven't been able with my, uh, various reasons, uh, COVID, mm. my health issues, um, the lack of sports. We haven't done too much lately. But in the archives, we've got boxing coverage, MMA coverage. So that's all in there. Um, and if you, you know, and if you heard me and you're like mm, this guy, but you uh, you want to hear some other stuff, we've got a football podcast called The Kickoff. There's video games to the max. So the W2M network has a podcast for just about anything you could possibly want to listen to. Very, very cool. And uh, I want to thank you so much for hanging out today. And uh, and I had a real good time going through this soundtrack, even though I didn't know about like two-thirds <laughs> of the songs. But uh, I, I, I loved hearing the stories. I thought that was a lot of fun. And uh, and, and I'm glad I got to got you to read something with Wolverine in it from the 1990s. So that's uh, oh, I'll read it. Hey, you tell me what to read. I'll read it. I'm not going to like it more than likely, but I'll definitely read it. Well, we, we like you more than just a friend, so we'll probably want you back again. So uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for another uh, for another excellent guest appearance uh, with uh, one of the X characters that we can have you we can subject you to. But uh, I think that's all we got for this segment. Uh, I will send it over to whatever little sound effect I have up here and uh, whatever book we're going to cover next. Now we got X-Men!